Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. The arms race between fungi and plants and stopping a plant in its tracks with some light. Now, fungi and plants are stuck in a never-ending arms race. But is there a way that this arms race could be advanced and a new technique developed that doesn't actually kill off fungi completely, but could still save the plant? And we find out ways to use optogenetics and apply it to plants to help shut off the photosynthetic process with the switch of a light. A lot of us have taken up new hobbies in the past 12 months or more. Some of these include things like baking. Of course, baking involves yeast, amongst other things, as one of a major functional ingredient. I like baking because it's a mixture of science and a little bit of creativity. Now, one of the other things you may have done is plant some vegetables. Try and grow your own small crop at home, because after all, you possibly spent a bit more time there than you had in the past. Whether it be on a windowsill in some small boxes or out in a garden, growing is difficult especially if you're in small planter boxes, as I found with my tomato crop that I planted on my front porch, well, it only yielded one tomato before it was consumed by a fungal infection. And this is the fate, unfortunately, for many crops, because a lot of the crops that die or fail due to a microbial disease, the majority of them, 70-80% of that crop loss, is caused by fungus. Fungal infections obviously then pretty damaging for crops. I know I couldn't get rid of the mold that appeared on my tomato plant, even though sometimes baked in full sun and I tried various treatments, including using some organic treatments and even some fungicides didn't really do the job. And that's the thing, fungicides are key weapons in uh, any agriculture arsenal, but they also, like all kinds of pesticides or fungicides, they come with environmental risks. The other thing to remember of two is of course, like with pesticides, arms race exists between fungi and plants because the fungi develop resistance to any fungicide used on them quite frequently. So, of course, anyone who's growing gardens, whether it be a hobbyist all the way to a serious food production place, well, they are dealing with the same challenges, finding new ways to and improved ways to stop fungi spreading across their crop and ruining their harvest or their flowers or whatever it may be. Now, a new paper published in the journal Biotechnology and Bioengineering from University of California Riverside researchers outlines a way to use yeast to help fight back against fungus. Now, this all involves around a natural plant defense against fungus and enhancing this through a clever use of bioengineering. The paper published in Biotechnology and Bioengineering describes a way that they engineered a protein. Now, this particular protein blocks fungi from breaking down cell walls. Now, if you're a fungi trying to break into a cell or gain entrance into plant tissue, it's a pretty important thing to be able to break into the cell of plants, mostly because this is the way they sort of get access to what they want, which is the nutrients from the plant. Now, fungi produce enzymes and use catalytic reactions to help break through what can otherwise be incredibly tough cell walls. Now, one of the enzymes that's used is polygalactoronase, or PG. And plants use and respond to the presence of this enzyme. And what they do, as part of this arms race that has existed for aeons between these two species, is plants produce proteins 
called PG-inhibiting proteins, or PGIPs. So basically, the fungi produce an enzyme to break through the cell wall tissue, and the plant goes, oh no, let's stop that, and reduces their own to sort of counter them, their own protein, PG-inhibiting protein, to stop it and slow that catalytic process. Okay, this is just part of the struggle between plants and fungi. But a group of UC researchers looked at the segment of DNA that tells the plant how to make PGIPs, took it from common green beans, and they sort of tried to isolate this particular protein. Then they took and inserted partial segments of the genomes into the humble yeast that you'd be familiar if you've baked anything recently. Baker's yeast. And they tweaked that baker's yeast to instead also produce PGIPs. And the reason they used yeast instead of plants is because, well, you can grow yeast way faster. And yeast has the handy ability of being able to not actually produce any PGIP of its own, so it's a great control study. If you try to do this in plants, well, you'd have to wait for the plant to grow. It takes time. Also, it would have its own natural response, so you wouldn't get a real control test. So they confirmed that this modified DNA, modified yeast, was actually able to produce the PGIP. And they introduced some fungi, Botiris cinera, and something that causes grey mould in peaches and other crops. And they also tried Aspergillus sniger, which causes black mould on grapes and other fruits and vegetables. Now, the yeast that had both complete and partial DNA segments that produced this anti-cell wall-breaking enzyme from the yeast, PGIP, was able to really slow down and stop the fungus from growing. This means that the yeast was producing more than enough PGIPs to slow down a fungal infection, stop it from taking hold, and could also be used for large-scale production. This is a pretty cool thing, because you can also do another neat trick with PGIPs, and that's actually use them as exogenous applied agents to inhibit fungal infection. In other words, coat them. The thing is, you could, yes, splice in this gene into a whole variety of crops, but that takes a lot of time, takes a lot of modifying of seed stock to even get it out there, and doesn't help for plants that already exist. So what can you do instead? Well, if it was able to be applied, much in the same way as a common fungicide today, well, that's incredibly helpful, because now you have something, as long as you can scale it up and produce it, you could roll out pretty quickly without changing fundamentally the process of applying fungicide that many people are already familiar with. Now, the other interesting part about PGIPs is they really only stop the infection process, but they don't actually kill fungi. And this might seem strange, but it's really important because fungi and plants can come into conflict with each other, but they also exist with very significant roles to play in the ecosystem. So you don't want to have something that will, of course, kill all the fungi, because that would actually be quite harmful for many species of plant directly, as well as indirectly for the ecosystem. So developing a treatment that isn't actually fatal to fungi is really cool, and a big improvement on actual, what, off-the-shelf fungicides. And the other good news is that, well, PGIP is pretty much biodegradable, and they would just break down into the naturally occurring amino acids, which mean, again, unlike synthetic compounds, you're having a real minimal impact on the larger environment. 
Now, by taking this modified yeast, they then tweaked it a little further. And the reason why is they wanted to see if they could make it into an exogenously produced thing. So it could be applied to a crop to keep it safe from fungal infection. And what they did, instead of getting the yeast to produce PJP inside, they made it exude the PJP. They could basically squeeze it out of the yeast or have the yeast naturally just ejected out of itself. And that means they could harvest that and then use it for external application. This would be similar to what people have already shown that you can freeze dry the naturally occurring microbes on apples, then reconstitute them, scrape them off, put them into a solution, and then spray them onto a crop. And that actually has an insane boost, great protection against fungal disease and loss during shipping. So if you take a similar approach by getting this PJT expressing yeast, squeezing all out that PGIP, then applying it with a spray to a crop as in the ground or maybe afterwards, and you could actually just keep that harmful fungi away and prevent it from forming an infection or take hold and ruin that crop. This is some fascinating research around a carefully applied treatment that takes something we like, yeast, something that we're familiar with, this arms race between fungi and plants, and turns it on its head, but doesn't completely eliminate the opponent. It's a great paper published in the journal Biotechnology and Bioengineering. Lead authors were Tiffany Chu, Anita Bihari, and a number of other collaborators. Now, from a tale of putting something onto the top of a plant's leaf to help protect it from fungal invaders, to developing what is effectively a remote light switch for a plant, able to turn it on and off remotely. Now, this seems a bit of a strange thing to consider for a plant, but this entire concept from researchers from the Julius Maximilis Universitat in Wurzburg, Bavaria, published in the journal Science Advances, lead authors Shongyang Huang, Meihui Ding, and a large team of collaborators. Now, the thing they've been investigating is to do with what exists on a plant's leaves, the surface of the leaves. They have some microscopically small pores on these leaves called the stomata. Now, the stomata has a really important job to play. It regulates the influx of carbon dioxide into the plant that the plant uses for photosynthesis the process in which they take in CO2 and light and produce oxygen and some sugars for them to consume in their energy. Now, it's not so much about this photosynthetic process, but it's more about the way in which the stomata control and regulate the process, because the stomata have a really significant job to play. Much in the same way as your body tries to regulate how much food you eat, and sometimes that can get thrown out of balance. But the stomata does the same thing for a plant. If you photosynthesize too much, you can lose too much water. And then if it's a drought on, well, you'll just wither away. So the stomata pores have a really important role to play in regulating the photosynthetic process. And they are on the surface of the leaf, but they're surrounded by two guard cells. Now, these guard cells are really significant. If the internal pressure of these guard cells drop, they slacken off, and that closes the pores on the stomata. 
Now, if the pressure rises, the cells, the guard cells, move apart and the pore widens. Now, these stomatal movements are thus then controlled themselves by these guard cells. So, inside the leaf, the stomata controls how much photosynthesis is basically happening. But the guard cells, well, they control the stomata. So in a way, really, if you want to think about it, the guard cells are actually controlling the photosynthetic process. Now, the signaling pathways inside a cell and between the guard cells of the stomata is quite complex. And it's hard for a human to be able to understand, map it out, and intervene with it. But it's exactly what researchers from JAM University in Würzburg have been doing. They found a way to control the movements of the stomata remotely using light pulses. Now, the starting point for them is a light-sensitive protein that they gathered from algae. Now, they had to introduce a light-sensitive switch into the guard cells on the sample plant that they were using, which was a tobacco plant. Now, this idea is based around the concept of optogenetics, which has been used a lot in animal cells, but applied in plant cells? Not really done, at least so far. Now, what they did is take a light-sensitive protein from the alga Gualardira theta and use that as its light switch, specifically the, specifically the anion channel ACL1 from the group of channel robosomes. Now, what happens in response to light pulses is the switch ensures that chloride flows out of the guard cells and potassium then also follows that. When that happens, the guard cells lose and drop off their internal pressure. And that slackening will cause the somatopores to close inside of 15 minutes. In other words, by having a light pulse, they can control the movement of the stomata. Not straight away, not immediately, but pretty quickly for a plant inside 15 minutes. So by exposing this ACR1 to light, they bridged or short-circuited the plant's own signaling chain, thus proving that you can use these anion channels to effectively control of the closing of the stomata. Now, the, that basically means for this particular plant in their experiment, by shining on this light switch, basically the stomata of the plant closed off completely and it wasn't doing any of the transpiration, it wasn't undergoing the photosynthetic process. Now, this is cool because the scientists are now able to optimize this and cultivate plants with increased number of anion channels in their guard cells, which means that plants equipped in this way should be able to close their stomata way more quickly in response to, say, an incoming heat wave. When there's more light around, well, that light will then trigger the stomata to close and close up the plant to prevent it from drying out. And plant ion channels activated during times of stress, particularly like heat stress, and this process can be dependent upon calcium. And this is something, of course, that could be investigated in way more details that researchers do want to dive into. But as a tool for research, the fact that optogenetics can be used and applied to plants just as well as it is applied to animal cells is pretty significant because we can now use it to basically trigger responses inside plants and thus understand how plants manage their regulation of water consumption as well as other things like carbon dioxide fixation and the way in which the plant's overall structure and their feeding effectively is governed by other triggers, including, say, light. There's some great research published in the journal Science Advances, researchers from the University of Würzburg. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Turning off a plant with a switch of a light, plus a way to develop new alternatives to fungicides that can keep plants safe and not kill off all the fungus. 
Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.